Hi everyone, Wendy Dickinson here. I'm a licensed psychologist at Grow Counseling in Atlanta. We are a group practice and offer counseling throughout the city in multiple locations. And we have pulled together this podcast for all of us really, but interviewing some of the therapists on our team that have thoughts about how to successfully navigate this transition the stressful time, the self-quarantine period that is really unprecedented. So we're living with a lot of stress. Today I have Lisa Miller with us. Lisa, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Lisa works out of our Buckhead office and um, she works a lot with children. And so I've asked her to come on today to really focus on how do we talk to our children and teens about all the stress that we're dealing with. So Lisa, why don't you just give everybody a quick highlight about what kinds of clients you see in the work that you do, and then we'll jump into the topics. Yes, absolutely. So my primary focus is definitely with children's and teens and working with families um, when it comes to those life transitions, also children that have learning disabilities or have experienced trauma. I also integrate a lot of different play therapy techniques into my practice. It's great. So you are an expert on how to talk to children and teens developmentally, which is exactly what we need right now. I think, you know, everybody is feeling stressed because they're out of their routines, not to mention the fear that, that everyone has and the negativity that we're hearing from the press. What are some things, let's just start real practically, like what are some things that families can do um, to take steps to keep each other safe? Some of the very foundational strategies that you've seen in the media and on the news is obviously hand washing for at least 20 seconds. Make it fun with your kids. Allow them to sing a song happy birthday, say their ABCs. Don't make it just a chore, but make it fun too. Um, obviously, covering your cough with your elbow. Make sure it's important for parents to model this because your children are like sponges and they will want to be just like you and do it as well. And also use that hand sanitizer and clean those surfaces often. On the CDC website, there are some very specific cleaners that are safe for kids that you are welcome to look up and visit our website for more details. That's great. So let's talk about kind of on that same note, how do we make our home a safe space for kids, especially, you know, we're talking about physical safety around the germ element, but we're also talking about emotional safety. How do we help promote safety within our home? Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very important to have those conversations with your children and your teens about their fears and making sure that you stay connected not only within your family unit, but also with your friends outside as well through te technology. Um, for example, also allow children to have choices at home. I think it's very important um, you know, just simple things like allow your child to pick out their own outfit so they feel safe and comfortable at home, but it also builds their self-efficacy. Um, I love that. I think we're all wanting to experience some sense of control right now. So just having a couple of choices to choose from rather than being told what to do all day would, if I were a kid, would feel really great. I think control is something that we don't feel like that we have. So um, you can also 
to have form a sense of control within your family system. You can have everybody in your family have a job or responsibility and emphasize that teamwork is super, super important. Um, also making sure that, um, that everybody knows that we're all in this together. It's not just one person or one man for himself, but that we've got to work together to get through this. That's great. Can you think of a couple of examples of that just that we could maybe use with kids that are um, about this sort of we're all on the same team together? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of my athletic examples is if there was only one player on the soccer team scoring all the points, then who would be protecting the goal? This will really <laughs> <Right>. allow <laughs> teens to really, um, you know, relate to it. Another example is um, like if you have a leading role, leading role in a play, then how could you act, sing, and dance if there wasn't anyone else working behind the scenes to get the props and the lighting and everything in place for the show to go on? I love that one. I, I was just thinking while you were talking, like maybe that would be a fun activity for families to stage a little play and have, you know, people have different roles and then talk about it afterwards. Like, hey, what would have happened if we hadn't had, you know, the sister operating the lights or we hadn't had the dad in the lead role or whatever it is. I think that could be a really fun, interactive way to spend some time, but then also have a great learning experience at the end of it. Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of role playing for sure. So to move on, um, how can we protect kids from getting sick? Like, what are some some things? I know we talked about hand washing. Um, what are some? I, we're we're getting a lot of different information. So just to kind of simplify a couple of highlights, like how do we best protect our kids? So I pulled from several different resources and read today actually. According to the CDC, children who are not showing symptoms, they do not need to wear a mask. I know that when you go out to the grocery store or the pharmacy, kids could be frightened and see a lot of people in masks and gloves. But I did read that the CDC suggests that they do not have to wear that. So I thought that was something interesting. Um, definitely uh, quarantine from others, even in your own family. If someone has po has tested positive for COVID-19, for example, if there are several floors in your home, having the one person who has tested positive staying in one floor or one room of the home will help others stay protected as well. That's great. I think they're really practical tips without being alarmist in nature, right? Like it's just some basic kind of guidelines. Yes. Um, yes. So, so in light of that, how do we talk to children about a global pandemic? I mean, it's a hard thing for adults to even understand. What are some tips that you have for helping our children, you know, or even students understand what's going on? This is a tricky one because there are so many different things that we're hearing in the media and from each other. And it's really hard, especially children are so concrete, not understanding this invisible enemy. So um, definitely being honest with them and making sure that 
there is uncertainty and parents um, do not know all the answers during this time. Make sure that you're, you know, having regular check-ins with your children and following up with them, um, talking through those fears and emotions. And um, we have a great resource actually on our website for um, tips on talking to your children about COVID-19 that I would suggest that you could print out. Um, it's also really important to use developmental language. Um, you know, allow time for discussion. Turn your smartphones off, your laptops off, the TV. Make sure that you're giving your child undivided attention. And it's really important um, to use those active listening skills um, and really to ask them at the beginning, hey, what do you know about coronavirus? Because they, you never know what they might say. Um, but making sure you're non-judgmental in that, um, I think is really super important. Yeah, and I think that kids take in a lot more than we uh, realize that they do. So if the TV's on all the time or you know, mom and dad or, you know, parents are having conversations, even if they think kids aren't paying attention. I think that, like you said earlier, they're a sponge, like they're really taking in a lot of what they hear and they may not be able to make sense of it because their brains aren't developed enough to understand and put anything into perspective. When you, um, when you think about the feelings that the grownups are having, because there are times that all of this, I think, when we've all felt afraid or anxious or uncertain. How much of that do you feel like is helpful to acknowledge with children? And how much of that is helpful to kind of try to insulate them from? I mean, I think it's very important for the parents to be honest with the children. If they're afraid, I mean, we're definitely all human. Um, so not suppressing those fears and anxieties, but kind of explaining how the parent feels to the child, but then providing coping strategies in order to make them feel better. I think working through those as a family system is really important um, and keeping the honesty open. That's great. And, and, and it sounds like in that kind of redirecting to what is, what is the child's responsibility or what do they need to worry about and what are the parents' responsible for and what are they what what are the grown-up things that they need to be concerned about and and yes on their radar yeah you know that actually reminds me of um something i did with a client earlier this week is you just get a simple piece of paper and you draw a little circle in the morning in the middle excuse me and those are the things that we all have control over and then you can draw another circle outside of the smaller circle and those are the things that we are not in control of so differentiating between the two can help the child see it in a visual concrete way that's a great idea i know you had a couple other creative ideas um, for us in terms of helping kids understand just the concrete nature of all of this tell me about um, if if somebody is willing to jump into maybe some messy activities what what would you suggest Actually, um, I learned this technique from a school nurse probably in 2009, but what she did is she did a lesson on how to explain to young children how germs spread, and what she did is she got glitter. Now, I don't know 
what your mess tolerance is <laughs> at home. challenging. <laughs> so uh, just know that this can be a messy activity, but it can really go a long way. Um, but one person in your family, so you do this as a family unit, has the glitter on their hands and they pour it on there. And then they touch different surfaces, <laughs> shake hands with different family members, and it sounds simple, simple um, and really easy, but it's such a great concrete way for younger kids to really understand visually how the germs can spread. So you might be covered in glitter for the rest of the day, but uh, your children will never forget it. <laughs> I like it too because it kind of takes it from a scary, scary concept too. I mean, who can be afraid of glitter? So it helps to communicate the concept without maybe increasing fear, feeling like there's, like you said earlier, invisible monster enemy out there. Maybe also a good thing to try out outside when the weather's nice and uh, <laughs> you don't have glitter spread all throughout the house. <laughs> yes, true. Definitely get outside too. <laughs> a family cleaning experience might be the follow-up activity to the family glitter experience. <laughs> yes, perfect. Lisa, these are super helpful. I know that we have resources on our website um, in terms of talking to your kids and um, exploring some of these things on a developmental level more. Is there anything else that you would add in terms of resources that people need to know about? I've pulled from a ton of different resources, Wendy. Um, one I do want to highlight is the National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health. They have some great activities that are very age-specific that we actually put on our website. So that's definitely something to check out. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all of this. I think it's super, super helpful. Um, and we are going to do a follow-up podcast about balancing chaos at home and working from home. So you guys tune into that next. Um, we will be in touch. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Thank you so much.